I've got a question for you. How good are you at keeping promises? Are you a good promise keeper? 50-50 sometimes. You know, one of my promises, if you've been here before, my promises, one of the things I do at home, is I put the bins out. And I'm getting better at keeping that promise. Um, and guess what? Today's the day that I put the bin out. So it's Sunday evening is when I put my bin out. So, you know, but sometimes the odd time I'll forget or I promise something, I don't always do it. And, and as human beings, we're human, right? We make mistakes. Um, we try sometimes to get it right. And sometimes 90% of the time we do, but sometimes we get it wrong. We don't always keep our promises. But um, this is what I want to speak first of all. If we're to understand something, try and understand this. That first of all, God is a pursuer of his promise. He is a pursuer of his promise. We think we're pursuing God, and it's, I'm going to believe God and stand on his promise, but first and foremost, I believe we've got to understand this, that God is a pursuer first of his promise. He is watching his promise. He is watching his word, and he is ready all the time to make sure it happens. Uh, David says this in Psalm 138, verse 2. He says, I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. You know, David was not perfect. He was not always faithful. He was not always loving. But he says this, I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. And then he says this, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. So God, the most important thing to God is to look at what he's promised, his word, and to make sure above all things that he makes sure that his promise is fulfilled. That is the most highest important thing to God. He backs his promise up with everything. Is that a pretty good God we can trust in? So why does God do that? Why does God back his promise with everything? And I believe it's this. It's because he wants us to trust him. You know, you think of a person who's let you down at some point. They said something and they didn't do it. You struggle then to trust that person. You, you, you go again, you say, you'll give them a second chance. But there's something that niggles at the back of your mind that says, maybe they'll let me down again. I want to hope that they don't. But I've lost a little bit of confidence in maybe the system or the boss or whoever because they let me down. God, I believe, is this. He doesn't want us to not believe in him. He doesn't want us not to trust him. So above all things, he has backed his promise up with everything. His integrity is the most important thing because he wants us to believe in him. He wants us to trust him at his word. So he's made sure, David says, I've experienced your unfailing love. I've experienced your faithfulness. Yes, I got it wrong, but God was unfailing towards me. God was faithful towards me even when I messed up. Even when I wasn't loving, God was faithful towards me. Why? Because I've learned that his promises, he backs them up with everything. He's integral. I can trust him. That is a good, that is a good promise. Amen. So if we're to understand God, our theology, what he's like, we can begin to trust him at his word. Can we not? And we're to understand if he watches over his word and he's backing it up with everything, we can trust in him and trust his word and his promises. So it's not actually us that's pursuing him. It's actually him first who's pursuing us. Have you got that? Religion teaches us if I am to do these things, I will find God. No, God sent Jesus to find us. Does that make sense? Now, we can respond to what God has done 
But ultimately, it's God that's done it, not us. Right, if you look in the New Testament, there's examples of Jesus. I'm going to go to that in a minute. But I want to look at the Old Testament first, some things that God promised and he fulfilled. Then we'll go to the New Testament in Jesus. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 7. This, the context of this is uh, the people of God or God's chosen people through the promise, through his covenant he has, through Abraham, through Jacob, through, sorry, through Isaac and Jacob. Jacob became Israel and Israel became a nation and Israel are now in captivity. They've got, they've been deceived. They've gone into Egypt and they've lived a different life. They've had other gods in there and they forgot about God and they're in pain. They're in mess. They've been there for 400 years and they've cried out to this God who they thought they had a covenant with and they've abandoned. And God now chooses to respond to the covenant, the relationship he has to them. And he finds a man, a shepherd called Moses and he goes to Moses and he says this, therefore say to the Israelites, his chosen people. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptian, of the Egyptians. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. You know, the Egyptians were the most powerful nation powerful army and God chooses to give them a promise that he'll rescue them out of the most powerful nation in the world and who does he send a babbling individual who can't speak to go into a nation and tell them that God says you need to let them go the most powerful nation a man a shepherd comes and says to him you need to let them go why because God has promised it and if God has promised it, he's going to back it up with everything. And you've got a shepherd man who comes to the most powerful nation to tell him to set them free. And if you know the account, they refuse to set them free. And God brings ten judgments on them. And eventually, God fulfills his word, does he not? And rescue them out of Egypt. Why am I telling you this? Because God has promised it. God said, I will rescue, I will bring you out from under the bondage. And if God says it, he will back it up and do it. No mighty power, no mighty principles that he stands against him will be able to defeat God because God backs his promises above all things. He's the most powerful being that we can even, I can't even imagine what he's like, but he can break anything down in order to rescue that that he loves. Why? Because he's a pursuer of his promise. And if God promises to rescue, God will rescue, will he not? So the first thing, I want to give you four things that he promises in here out of the Old Testament. I believe they're relevant for us today. Then we're going to go into the New Testament. There's a great book that by Chris Hodges called The Four Cups. And you can get these promises out of there. A bit more detail, you can study it. But he says these four things to him. The first one, God promises to rescue us. So that's God's promise there's a nation out here right now who God promises to rescue, does he not? There's an estate, there's a neighbor. There's the, the alcoholic, there's the depressive, there's the abandoned, whatever. The divorced person, whatever they've done, God says, I want to rescue them. This is his heart, I want to rescue them. He says, he will rescue us. Then it says, this is the second one, God promises recovery. So not only does he promise to rescue us, he promises recovery. I don't know if anybody, if you saw that football match yesterday, 
traumatic. If, if you haven't seen it, you've not seen it on the news, I, I wouldn't actually go and watch it, actually. It, it, it really upset me and Sarah. I'm sure many people, I'm not even family, just watching it. I don't know what his family went through. But there was an incident yesterday, if you didn't see it, a footballer suddenly just dropped to the floor. A professional fit person dropped to the floor. And what you saw with the reaction was the emergency services came. The first thing that happened, the physio runs on, the ref shouts on, this is an emergency. This guy needs rescuing now. He's dying. This is a, and what happens? They emerge out of their situation and they come and try and save him. That's what God did in Egypt. There's an emergency. Get us out of here, God. We're dying. What does God do? He, emerge, he, he emerges and he pulls them out. That's what Exodus means, to draw them out. It's God's love for us to rescue us. This man yesterday, he was dying. The emergency services, they get to him. Their job is to rescue him, to, to try death on that moment. But that guy is not yet recovered, has he not? He's been saved, but he's not recovered. And there's a difference between being pulled out of Egypt and there's a difference between being slaves. See, they were in Egypt as slaves, but they still wandered around as slaves. See, there's a difference between God saving you and there's a difference between God recovering you. He wants you to recover. There's a recovery process in our lives. What does that mean? It means so we can function properly in this world. It's so that we're not bound to things that stop us being ourselves fully. And God wants us to recover from the traumas and the experience and the damage and the hurt. He wants to take us through that process of communion with him. Exodus was about coming out because of his love. If you read Leviticus, Leviticus is about communion with God. How do we stay right? How do we stay redeemed? How do we stay that we haven't got the guilt and the shame anymore? God makes a way through sacrifices and priests and different things. Today, his name is Jesus. And God has made a way so that we don't, we can get set free, we're saved from death, but actually there's a recovery process that God has for us. So that then we can go on to the next promises, which is God wants you to discover your intention for your life, and he wants us as a family to make a difference in this world. But before that, we need to recover. There's no good trying to run into trying to do things if we've not yet recovered, if we're still traumatized or affected in life. Has anybody ever had an accident in here, in a car, say a car accident? You know, traumatic experience, can be. You know, for many of us, we have the accident and we don't die, but then the recovery process, it takes time to build your confidence again to drive. It it doesn't happen straight away. Relationships, we get hurt. It takes time to rebuild that confidence and trust again. We're in a recovery process. Does that make sense? So there's a difference between being rescued and recovered, and then there's a difference between understanding purpose and responsibility in life. So there are four promises I believe God gives in there. I want to ask you the question, has God fulfilled those promises? Or is he still fulfilling them? Well, I think he's fulfilled them for them, but he's also in a journey of fulfilling totally for us as well. Would you agree? Are you saved this morning? Amen? Well, do you, do you believe what God says? Are, are you saved through faith in Jesus Christ this morning? Not through works, but through Jesus Christ, what he did for you on the cross. Are you sons? Are you sons of Abraham? Not through descent, but by faith, it says. Are you sons of Abraham? This Yeah, you are by faith if you believe in Jesus. So we don't do this on our own. We only do it because Jesus first pursued us 
So these are great promises, I believe, that are available for us. But I think for many of us, we're in a recovery process. If you're not now, at some point, life will affect you and you'll get damaged. Then you have a choice. Do I go through recovery again? And I'm going to look more at that in the next week and the week after that. So I want to go to the New Testament now to, I think, grasp the very heart of God in this process of recovery. Because I think sometimes we misunderstand God. So let's turn to Luke 15. And the context of this is Jesus speaking to some religious people, some Pharisees and some scribes. And what's happening is Jesus is hanging around with sinners. Sinners that they call them. And what's happening is they're judging Jesus and they're mocking him because of him associating with these so-called dirty people. And their idea was you need to separate yourself from dirty people because their lifestyle will affect you and you won't be clean and holy and you won't be right with God. But then Jesus explains through these three parables. The first one he gives is a lost sheep. It's sheep that are lost. And I don't know about you, but when I look at that, I don't see the sheep doing much searching. Sheep don't search. Sheep just go off and do whatever they want. They wander like most of us. But it's the shepherd who does the searching. Do you see what I'm saying? We think, oh, we're searching for God. No, no, no. The shepherd's searching for you. The shepherd's pursuing you with everything that he has, and he's backing that up with his one and only son. It's our job to see that and believe what God has first done for us, not what we're doing for God. That's the recovery process. You need to be recovered in that rather than your own strength. So the first one, the parable of the lost sheep is the sheep isn't looking for anyone. It's the shepherd who's looking for the sheep. The second one is the lost, lost coin. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't know how much searching coins can do. There's not much walking about a coin can do. You know, we did a litter pick yesterday. One of the kids found 20p on the coin, on the, coin, on the, on the, on the pavement. 20p, it was like they'd found heaven, won the lottery. Trying to pick it up with his litter picker. I'm like, mate, just pick it up with your fingers, it's all right. It's like 20p. Somebody else found a penny, so excited. But coins don't look or search Coins are searched for. What does that represent? I believe it represents the very word of God, the treasures of God, the teachings of God, the truth of God. And these Pharisees had got it wrong. They'd missed it. They were searching in the scriptures and trying to separate through a lifestyle, but they didn't understand the very heart of God that actually God wanted them to go to the sinners. You've missed the scriptures. You've missed the truth. You're not understanding the Father's heart. So he talks about lost sheep, lost coin, and then he goes to the lost son. He's putting some flesh on this to understand this is about people. These are about my people that I love, and you're missing it. Try and grasp my heart. So let's look at Luke 15. Are you still with me? Luke 15, 20 to 24. Jesus telling the second parable, parable where the son is there. He's gone. He's spent his fortune, and he's in a mess, and he's... he's, he's you know, he's lived, it says, almost with the pigs, wanting to eat the pig food. And he's dishonored his father by using up all the inheritance. And then Jesus says this, so he got up and went to his father. So the son has sinned. He's gone off. He's wasted his, his father's inheritance. He's dishonored his father. He's dishonored God and how he lives his life. But then Jesus says this, he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
and was filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is the father. This is the God that I believe is looking over his promise and saying, this is what I'm looking for. This is where I want to... This is where I want to follow up on my promise is my love for all people. Not just those who are living a right life, but those who are not living a right life. Those who've messed up. And it says, he threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for his son. This son of mine was dead. He was dead. Now he's been rescued. He was dead. Now he's alive. I lost him, but he's now mine. Now he's in a recovery process now. He's not yet recovered. He's been saved, but he's not yet recovered. So he says, Son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, what is the first thing that the father does? He sees him, he runs towards him, and he puts his arms around him. He runs towards him, puts his arms around him. Now, if you understand this culture, if you understand anything about this Jewish culture, if he went and spent his inheritance, he had completely dishonored his, not only his father, but his community. And the community would have kicked him out and said, you are unclean. You are actually now dead. You're not a part of our community anymore. If he comes back, make sure the community is looking for him and they shout, dead man walking, apparently they used to shout when he walked back into the community. So the father knows when he comes back, what's going to happen is he's going to get dishonored when he comes back. So the father understands, I need to stop what the enemy is going to do to my son. So he's looking for him. The first thing he does is he runs to him and he puts his arms around him. Notice he doesn't do this. I can see him coming. Will somebody go get a cloak for him over there? Will somebody go and get something to clean him up before he comes into the house? Anybody got dogs? If you've got a dog or you've got kids or you've just got someone who's dirty in your house in general, that's usually me, right? What happens, you take the dog a walk, right? And when the dog comes back, you're like, get in in the shower. Especially if it's been in fox poo. What do foxes eat? Does anybody tell me? Rabbit poo. That's a good one, Elijah. Or just rabbits in general, not the rabbit poo. Rabbits, right. But I don't know what that stuff stinks of, but it stinks. What do you do? You don't just let the dog come back in the house and roll them around. No, you pick it up like that. We dump it in the shower, and from a distance we wash it off. Or is that just me? Or you hose it down. Why? Because you don't want your house to get dirty, which is right. Want to keep a clean house. Cleanliness, that thing about godliness. We don't want to keep it all right, don't we? Because that's I'm more godly then if it's clean. Can't let the dirty dog in. You know, if it's us, what would we have done? Would we have said, get him in the shower first, then give him a robe? Come on. Is someone like covered in mud and pig poo came to your house tonight should we try it anybody up for this challenge 
Go down Farmer Todd's down the road, jump in the pig poo, go knock on your best mate's house. Are we watching the football? Shut the door on you. Wouldn't they? Now, I know that's kind of plain, you know, a little bit silly there, but the point is this. The father doesn't behave like that. The father runs to them. He doesn't say get the best robe first. He wants an intimate relationship. He wants to absorb the pain of the son. He wants to absorb the very sin and the smell because he doesn't want the community or the enemy to accuse him of things that he's done. He wants to cover him with his love. Do you see what I'm saying? If we don't understand this, we won't understand the purpose, the identity, the making the difference because we won't recover He doesn't give him responsibility first. He doesn't say, right, give him the ring. He needs to get back to work and earn his love. He doesn't. He just wants to hold his son because he loves him. He just wants to embrace him. Mud, dirt, pig, dog poo, poo, whatever it looks like. I'm more interested in my son than I am in what he's done. I don't care what he's done. I care about his home. I'm bothered about him being rescued in my house. Will we do the recovery process after? All I'm bothered about, he comes home. It's coming home. He's coming. The sun is coming home. That's what it's about. It's not about football coming home. It's about the sun coming home. Sorry, cheesy. I had to get it in. Isn't it? The father's there going, come on. He's coming home. Mud and all, pig poo, the lot, open the door. He's coming home. He's coming. Son is coming home. Why don't we come home then? Why don't we come home sometimes? Because what we've done, because we do we trust in the Father? He says. I'm going to trust, I'll go home because at least one of my father's servants, at least they get fed and I'll get fed and I'll just go home and be a servant. I'm happy with that. Father's like, no, you're not being a servant. You're a son. You need to know that you're loved and accepted first, not run into servanthood and purpose and responsibility. You just need to know that you're loved. It's about relationship. It's about me embracing you first and covering you in me, not in the cloak not in your responsibility cover me in you in, cover you in me so what do we do are you still with me three quick things i've got to be quick got five minutes three quick things that he did that i believe we can do number one it starts today it doesn't start tomorrow recovery doesn't start tomorrow it starts today it says he came to his senses All of a sudden, something happened. He realized, I'm making a mess. He's come to his senses. When does it start? When I'm I'm 92, I'll make a decision about Jesus and and come home. No, 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 it's too late. Christian Erickson yesterday, he, he dropped down. By the grace of God, he didn't die. I hope by the grace of God, he knows the Father. He's got a second chance if he doesn't, so he'll be raised from the dead through faith in Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way. I'm sorry what people preach. There is no, no other way. Why did God send Jesus? There's no point in Jesus then. If, if he'd have just said, oh, it's, it's okay, I'll sort it all out another way. No, he sent Jesus to suffer for our sins. 
When does it start? It starts today. Faith in Jesus that God sent his one and only son so that he could pay the price for our sins. It starts with trusting in God. I'm going to trust that God sent Jesus for me to die on a cross. And I'm going to go home as a sinner. And and I might have a slave mentality and I might have a servant mentality, but I'm going to come home anyway. And I'm going to believe in this God who's unfailing in love and faithfulness that I can trust in, who backs all these promises up with all of his name. This is the one I'm going to trust in and try and trust that he will help me recover. So it starts today. You know, what, what, what areas of your life do you need recovery in? It can start today. Come on. That thing that's niggled away at you. That sin that you keep going round with and, 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 and it keeps battering you back. No, I can start today. God doesn't want you to hide it. He knows about it anyway. Just bring it to the house, muck and all. Everyone's house is going to be messy this afternoon, isn't it? Depends on the England results. Okay, it starts today. Second one is this, be real. Let's stop wearing masks. <laughs> Sorry, we can't, can we? Sorry, I'll say that. We can't, we've got to wear masks in church. But the point is this. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, what did they do? They covered themselves with fig leaves. Before that, there was no shame. But they covered themselves in fig leaves. God comes to them. He loves them, he forgives them, and he covers them. He says he makes things out of skins and covers them up. Why? Because of their shame that they were in. You watched that incident yesterday. You know, people were, people were covering the, the person who, who they were, the footballers were standing around him to stop the people seeing what was happening. Why? Because the guy's suffering and we don't want to see it. I believe it's the grace of God that God wants to cover our sins. He doesn't want to shame us and condemn us. He just says, bring them. But don't put the fig leaves over them. Don't cover them up and say, oh, I haven't got an issue. Yes, we have. Just bring the issues. What does he do? He says this. I have sinned against heaven and against my father. Two things that he does. He recognizes his behavior towards God and God's ways and principles that he's not adhered to. And then he recognizes, secondly, that he's actually hurt his father. It's, the great, it's Jesus' greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Or love those that are around you. It's God's command to do this. He falls short of it and recognizes he's being real. I have not kept this command. I have bodged it up. Adam doesn't do that. Adam, in the beginning, he says, this woman, Eve, who you gave me, God. Complete shift of responsibility. It's not real. Adam, you chose to do that. No, 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 no. Eve and you. I don't want the responsibility. Fig leaves. Do you see what I'm saying? Starts today, you've got to be real with where you're at. You've got to be real with your behavior and your attitude. You've got to be real with how you treat people. Because if you're not and you cover it up and say, I haven't done anything, that's not me. They hurt me. Yes, they did. But you're to forgive them like Jesus teaches us. Otherwise, actually, you'll be bound by that unforgiveness. So in other words, you get real with this stuff. And you stop, don't cover it up. But actually, the power is to openly confess it. 
I tell you, it's the most powerful thing you can do with your sin is to openly confess it. The devil wants to keep you isolated and in darkness. He doesn't want you to confess stuff. But the power of God, I'm telling you, if you confess stuff in your life on a regular basis, negative things, bring them out, but also positive things about the word of God in your life, what you'll find is the things that used to bind you no longer bind you because they're out in the light. They haven't got me anymore. The son says what? I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I'm bringing it out all in the light now. There's nothing of me. This is me. I'm real. There's a freedom in it. There's a freedom. Be real. You still with me? Start today. Be real. And the last one is this. Receive the covering. If I can say anything else to you this morning, is put faith in the covering of God. The first thing the father does is he covers him, puts his arms around him. Just, just imagine that for a second. You know, I lost my father 30 years ago next month. Sudden heart attack dropped down, just like Erickson yesterday. Nobody saved him. He went, misunderstood that for many years, much confusion in my life. Can't wait for the day that I see him and he puts his arms around me. That's a natural father. But what I have discovered is this. I have a heavenly father. And I'm telling you, I've received his arms around me. Not in person, but by his spirit. The truth of God's word revealed by the Holy Spirit. The revelation revealed. And I've experienced that love. And nothing can separate you from that love. And many of you know that in here. Forget about it because we mess up and we think God doesn't love me. No, that's a lie. God has covered us. How do we know that? He sent his one and only son. What does the word cover mean? What does that mean to cover? Actually, the word in the Hebrew is kafir. Kafir basically means atonement. The word atonement means to put right. So when God covers us, he puts us right. How good's that? Right standing with God through faith in Jesus, you've been made right. Anybody right in here this morning? I want to encourage you, don't use fig trees and try and do it in your own strength. It doesn't work. It ties you out. What you need to do is understand you put on Jesus because his blood washes us and covers us and gives us forgiveness of sins. He is the one. It's all about Jesus. No one else can rescue you. No one else can heal you. Yes, you can have some healing mentally, emotionally, but spiritually it is impossible without Jesus because he's the only way to the Father. Is the only way to the... I'm telling you, Jesus is flipping awesome. Jesus, heal my heart. He, I was broken. He healed my heart. And when I do get broken, I go to him again. He heals me again because I come under his covering. Come under his covering. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress and my refuge. In him. It's in him. It's no one else. Your church pastor lets you down. Be careful you don't put all of your strength in him. Your dad or your mum let you down because that's the covering and it should be a good covering but sometimes they mess up and we get damaged. But your father's covering is perfect. It is. He makes you right with him. You don't make yourself right. The son didn't make himself right. The father makes it right. The father embraces him. The Father loves him. The Father gives his best. The band want to come up. We'll conclude. You know, I don't know if you've seen. Anybody seen Downton Abbey? Sorry if I've just lost half the church. 
Or if you've ever been to a National Trust, probably even less of you, but International Trust, one of these big houses, and you go into one of these big houses, and there's like these grand rooms that you can go onto, there's gold and, you know, leaf everywhere, and the fancy rooms, and then you go into the servants' quarter. They're underneath, they're hidden away, out the way. And the thing with the servants' quarter is, they weren't even allowed through the main entrance. They had to go round the back. Why? Because they were servants. They weren't, weren't on the same level as the owners. But you know, God doesn't send us round the back door because we're not on the same level. He says, you're coming through my front door. I made a way through you through my front door, not the back door. Stop trying to creep round the back because you think you're not good enough. Ring the doorbell. Come in. Put your feet up. Pig smell and all. Come on in. You're coming home. You see, he says he embraced him. Then he says, get the best robe. This is my front door number one. He's not a number two. He's not second best. He's the best. Why? Because I sent my son for him. Because I'm a pursuer of my promise. And what I've promised, I will fulfill and back it up. If I said I'll rescue them, I'll rescue them, I'll raise them from the dead. If I'll recover them, I'll recover them and make them right with me. They are my redeemed through faith in Jesus this morning. I want to encourage you. Start today, be real, and receive God's covering. Allow the Holy Spirit maybe to restore some things in your life that have been damaged because you've been under wrong covering or you've been in relationships that have hurt you. I believe God wants to bring you under his covering and restore you. That's what he did with me, and I know he does with many people. If we'll trust him and come to him. I want us to pray I'm going to sing a song. The song talks about you know, who I am and the sun sets us free. I want to encourage you this morning, or if you're listening online at another time, that you can come to the Father. The Father can heal you, build you back up, and begin to restore you so that you are the best you that you can be. And I believe it starts through faith in Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's the guarantee. He's the one who covers our lives and that nothing can separate us from the power of God because the Holy Spirit is in your life. And if you've never done that before, you can receive the Holy Spirit through putting your faith in Jesus today and your future is guaranteed through Jesus. So if you're listening now and you've never done this, I'm going to pray and you can put your faith in Jesus today and receive the love of the Father. But there's two things you have to acknowledge like the sun. Do you know what? God, I've messed up. And I've also hurt people. And I'm sorry. I ask for your forgiveness. Help me. I come to you. And as you do this, I believe God will respond to you because he watches over his word. He watches over his promises. So Father, we just pray for people right now who are listening to receive your forgiveness as they ask in their hearts for forgiveness, I pray that you would cover them with the Holy Spirit. You would reveal the love of God to them as they put their faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.